Hello and welcome to the Vet Professionals 10-Minute Tips podcast series. My name is Sarah Caney. I'm an RCVS specialist in feline medicine and founder of vetprofessionals.com. I have a passion for feline medicine and started the 10-Minute Tips sessions during lockdown in 2020 as a way of sharing tips I've learned with other vets and nurses. The following podcast was recorded as a 10-minute tips Zoom webinar on the 28th of October 2020 and you can watch the recording on the video tutorial page of vetprofessionals.com. Look under the helpful info menu for video tutorials and then click on the 10-minute tips tab. In this session I discuss how to place esophagostomy feeding tubes in cats. As I will discuss these are extremely helpful for short medium and long-term nutritional support of anorexic cats. Thanks again for choosing to listen to this podcast. I hope you find it helpful. Hello, thank you for joining me today. And the topic in our series of anorexic cats for today is placing esophagostomy tubes. And I hope you're gonna find this session useful. As always, if you want a copy of the slides, uh, do feel free to just drop me an email and I can get those to you. And also this uh, video of this presentation will be uploaded to the website as well. So you'll be able to have another look. So firstly, why would we consider placing an esophagostomy tube? Why are these helpful? Well, in contrast to the nasoesophageal tubes we talked about last time, big advantage of these is that we can place a larger diameter tube, which means that it's possible for us to feed potentially liquidized cat food rather than having to rely only on liquid feeds. So that is one initial advantage. Another big advantage is that these tubes are typically much better tolerated by cats. Cats don't tend to like, as we might imagine, a tube up their nose. Um, but they're much more relaxed about having a tube going through the skin at the side of their neck and wearing a, a small dressing as in this example here um, that just keeps that tube clean and, uh, and looked after and then they can return home and be managed with these tubes for potentially months uh, longer than a year in some cases that these tubes will stay in without any problems and you can replace the tube as well through that stoma site should you need to. So a lot of advantage is in both uh, short, medium and long term feeding uh, support of cats that need it. Also, we can use these to provide medication to cats and there are some situations uh, where medication is needed for a long period of time, perhaps combination of antibiotics. A good example would be cats with mycobacterial infections where perhaps a triple combination of antibiotics is needed for perhaps six months and therefore placing one of these tubes can be really helpful in terms of achieving compliance with those really important medications. And lastly, uh, another example, uh, another advantage of these tubes is that um, as opposed to a gastrostomy tube, where we're obviously going into the, the peritoneal cavity, with our esophagostomy tubes, these, if they come out instantly, it's not really a problem to the cat. Obviously, our nutritional support is going to have problems if that's the reason we place the tube, but the cat is not going to develop peritonitis. Uh, the stomacite typically will heal very quickly within a few days. So if a tube does come out uh, and we want to place another tube, we need to act quite quickly, but we don't need to worry typically about the cat in terms of uh, problems at the site of removal. 
So what are the potential downsides of an esophagostomy tube? Well, the main one really is that you do need an anaesthetic to place the tube. So we can't do this as a conscious procedure, unlike the nasoesophageal feeding tube. So if your cat is very fragile, if it's anaesthetically really likely to be high risk, that may mean that you need to support that cat in the first instance with a nasoesophageal tube, get them nice and stable, um, and then uh, anaesthetise them for placement of an esophagostomy tube. You do still need a normal functional esophagus. So if your cat has megaesophagus uh, mega or esophagitis or um, a stricture or other complications that might affect esophageal function, then this might not be the best way to provide support. And we can see some complications as well associated with these tubes. And there's actually been a couple of publications really recently uh, that summarise large case series results. And I've just highlighted some from, uh, this is actually from the University of Edinburgh, so very close to me, uh, where 248 cats uh, were followed in terms of complications of their esophagostomy tube. And you can see that uh, the cat removing the tube or the tube dislodging uh, was probably the most common complication in about 15% of cases. So sometimes cats will, for example, vomit up the tube. Um, and that's not necessarily a problem unless the cat then bites through the tube and swallows a portion of that tube, in which case we do need to go in and, and typically remove that, otherwise that may cause problems. Um, and the second complication that I've put on this slide was of stoma site infections, which are seen in a small proportion of cases, particularly those cats that have um, concurrent treatments which uh, impact on their uh, immune system. So glucocorticoids, oncology treatments in particular, uh, had an impact in the cats in this uh, paper in terms of increasing the risk of stoma site infections. But generally these tubes are very well tolerated and very effective in providing nutritional support. So what equipment do we need for this? Well, of course, we need a tube and uh, we can use a larger tube than is possible to place through the nostril. And as uh, is, the, is the guide there, we want to use in general uh, as large a tube as we feel is going to be tolerated and comfortable for the cat. And there are a variety of tubes around and uh, I have used a number of, of different tubes over the years. Some tubes, it definitely helps uh, to cut the end off. Uh, some will have these uh, ball weights at the end of them and also it can help to cut the end off to shorten the tube so there's not too much tube on the outside of the cat and also to reduce the, the likelihood of blockage, particularly important if you're planning on feeding a sort of slurried cat food because some of these tubes, the, the fenestrations in the tubes are, are actually quite small. So that's no problem for liquids, but it may cause problems if you if you want to feed uh, a bit more of a liquidized cat food uh, down that tube. You need uh, also to have some way of marking the tube in terms of how far you're going to place it. So you can use a, a permanent marker, for example, to mark it, or you could put on some tape. You need some forceps, so some curved, uh, fine-tipped forceps, which are going to be used to grab the tube. Some gloves and a drape, so that you have a, a sterile approach to placing the tube. A scalpel blade. Um, it can be helpful sometimes to have a little bit of lubricant for passing the tube um, down the esophagus, and I'll, I'll point out when that is appropriate as we go through the procedure, some suture material, 
and a light dressing afterwards. And that dressing, again, there are a variety of options available. Uh, the bio patch image that I have on this slide is just one example of, you can see a dressing designed to go around a tube. So it's got that nice circular cutout in the center. And this is a chlorhexidine impregnated designed to work for up to a week to provide um, some nice sort of antiseptic uh, cover adjacent to your tube stoma site. But alternatively, you could have a gauze swab, uh, which you also put on some either povidone iodine or chlorhexidine just as a light dressing over uh, that tube stoma and uh, then a, a light dressing. And there are a variety of also uh, commercially available collars now uh, for cats with these e-tubes, uh, such as the kitty collar, which I'll show you in just a little while. So in our anaesthetized cat, uh, typically we place the tube on the left side of the neck because the esophagus is on the left side. But if there are issues with the left side, then it is actually possible to uh, place these on the right side of the cat's neck. But our standard would be with the cat lying in right lateral recumbency and then you clip and aseptically prepare that left side of the neck. And then you want to take your forceps and pass them through the cat's mouth down into the esophagus and point up the, the tip of those forceps so that you can feel them through the skin. And that should be roughly halfway down the neck. So sort of halfway between the jaw and the shoulder and above the jugular vein. So uh, obviously we, we uh, don't want to cut through the jugular vein. Uh, so we want to lift up our forceps tips so we can feel them and then use our scalpel blade to cut down over the tip of your forceps really just enough to allow your forceps to poke through the skin and open their jaws just enough so that they can then grab the end of your feeding tube. And then you grab your tube and you pull the tube through the skin and then out through the cat's mouth as shown in this picture here. And that's pretty straightforward to do. The fiddly bit is to then get that tube, which is now uh, going through the cat's uh, skin of their neck into the esophagus and then up the esophagus and out of the cat's mouth so that it is going down the esophagus where we want it to be in terms of providing nutritional support. And this is where sometimes it's helpful to have a little bit of lubricant uh, on your tube. Um, and you can either uh, use your fingers or use the forceps to uh, gently poke that tube down the cat's throat and you will feel the tube sort of uh, ping as it flicks in, in the, the other direction to the way it's uh, facing at this point and it's now heading down the esophagus and then of course we want to pass it as far as it is to our marked point on the tube. You can also use a laryngoscope to visualize this process if, if you find that easier. Taking a radiograph is a good idea where possible to confirm that your tube is placed correctly and also just to see that it's not placed too far down. You don't want it so that it's sort of tickling the diaphragm, entering the stomach and increasing the likelihood of reflux. You want it to be ideally um, about halfway between the heart and the diaphragm. So I would say this one is probably at the limit of, uh, of acceptability. You might want to pull it back slightly in terms of uh, being a comfortable place for that tube to rest for that cat. 
once you're comfortable it is in the right place then of course you can secure it in place um, and uh, you can do that using a, as a Roman sandal uh, not to uh, attach your tube and secure that, that tube to the skin um, and a favorite location for uh, Danielle's to attach a tube as shown in the picture on the right here is the uh, periosteum on the wing of the atlas and uh, that may also be an advantage to not have the suture material right by your stoma as in my example in terms of uh, stoma site infections and also allows uh, a little bit movement of the tube which might be a little bit more comfortable for the cat so uh, this is uh, something that uh, a technique that I'm now starting to adopt in my own cases and you can see again in Danielle's picture here the biopatch placed around that uh, tube stoma and then we have a light dressing in place. I have a, a video to show you now, which I hope will play smoothly over Zoom and will we'll summarize the process. And so we can see our draped up cats and hopefully you can see the forceps are down um, the cat's esophagus and being gently lifted, lifted up towards the skin. And then a scalpel blade used to cut over uh, the tip of those forceps, as we mentioned. So just very gently creating a small stoma through which those forceps tips can just wiggle their way through um, in a few moments. So we can see, uh, hopefully just we'll start to see a little bit of a glint of the, the metal of the forceps appearing now. And then they're pushed through the skin and just a little bit of a wiggle to open up uh, before grabbing the tip of the tube. And you'll see there's a, a little bit of a sort of wiggle around. We want to keep our stoma site as small as possible so that it just really fits around that tube. And you'll see there's a little bit of a, of a wiggle here before uh, we get uh, the tube nicely orientated in line with the forceps so that it, it comes through nice and easily but now we can see it's going through and being pulled out of the cat's mouth. And when the drapes are removed, we can see that the tube is going through that skin incision into the esophagus and then up through the mouth. And the next challenge, as I said, is to get that tube to go down the esophagus, so down in the correct direction. So we have a little bit of a jiggle to, to get our endotracheal tube out of the way to allow this. And, uh, and then the tip of that esophagostomy tube can be poked uh, gently towards the back of the cat's mouth and uh, I think the forceps are going to assist with that. Here we go. And you can almost appreciate once that happens that there is that sort of ping in the tube as it goes in the right direction down the cat's neck and then it can be passed up to that point where we've measured and decided is appropriate. We can check on a radiograph and we can suture in place. I mentioned that there are some uh, bespoke collars now available for covering esophagostomy tubes in cats and the kitty collar is uh, the one that I'm most aware of and uh, the website I think it is kittycollar.com but if you google kitty collar you'll certainly find it. Um, you can see that uh, there are these very nice soft collars which are designed to replace the dressings that we have typically uh, placed over these esophagostomy tubes and they have a nice opening for the tube to pass through and some Velcro tabs to secure it in place. And this is a washable collar that the cat can return home with or can be managed in the hospital wearing. 
and the manufacturers also make a spacer pad designed to uh, again replace that initial light dressing next to the tube stoma site and that have this uh, very convenient little hole in in the center so that they fit around the tube but it's not essential to have these we can just do a light dressing just our gauze swab um, and some soft band and uh, a light dressing on top is is perfectly adequate so that concludes uh, placement of the tube. I hope that's been helpful. My summary would be that these are really, really helpful tubes to place in cats because they're so well tolerated as a way of providing medium and long-term nutritional support. They really are lifesavers from the cat's perspective. They really don't seem to mind them in place. They can be managed at home or in the hospital and they can stay in for months, if not longer. They don't in any way inhibit voluntary food intake. So as with uh, the nasoesophageal tubes we spoke about last time, um, you can use, uh, you know, you can still offer the cat food and you can judge when it is uh, appropriate to remove that tube if it has been placed for nutritional support. But also the tube can be really helpful for medication and that can be particularly important with some conditions. Uh, mycobacterial infections, as I mentioned earlier, being a really good example where triple antibiotic therapy is often needed for many months and that can be difficult to comply with uh, without this sort of support. These tubes can be managed by owners at home. In terms of uh, stoma site uh, management, a daily dressing change, definitely important for the first week to 10 days. After that time point, you may find um, that uh, you don't need to, to assess that wound every single day, but certainly it should be kept clean and dry and something like the kitty collar or a light dressing used to, to protect that tube and keep it clean going forwards. So thank you very much again for joining me. Next time we're going to talk more about actually how we feed these cats that need tube feeding. So how we calculate the requirements, how we go about tube feeding and uh, complete the series uh, about the anorexic cat. Also a reminder that there are lots of resources on the website, including videos of uh, previous sessions that we've run. If you haven't been able to attend them all, you can access those via the video tutorial page of the website. Um, and last but not least, uh, just really want to uh, mention again some of the surveys that are open on the website. And in particular, the one that we're still uh, trying to get as many responses for as possible are, are two surveys on telemedicine. And this is, uh, telemedicine in this sense is really just uh, phone and video consultations with clients due to COVID-19 social distancing. So if you have not been letting your clients come into your clinic and you've been talking about the patient over the phone, this is exactly what we want to hear about. And we've also got a survey for cat owners that have experienced telemedicine um, that's also open on our website. And we're doing a final push really literally this week, next week, to try and get as many cases as possible. And if you can help with that, uh, that would be absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much again for joining me. And I will now have a look in the chat box and see what questions there are. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to this session. For more information, please visit vetprofessionals.com. You can find YouTube recordings of all 10 minute tips sessions on the video tutorials page. To find the video tutorials page, click on the helpful info menu on the home page. Don't forget that you can attend future 10 minute tips sessions live and have the opportunity to ask questions. You can read more about how to access these sessions on the video tutorials page of the website. Lastly, if you found this podcast helpful, don't forget to subscribe and add a review. Thank you.